Hey everyone. We decided to start this episode with a cold open because we wanted to make sure to say something about what's going on in the United States around police violence and Black Lives Matter. So we know what's going on is crazy and most people, hopefully everyone who listens to this, is aware of all of the atrocities that are happening to people, mainly black people, around our country. And we wanted to acknowledge that we know that this is not okay, especially as part black person, the... Police violence as a public health crisis is really resonating with me and my family at this time. So, you know, too long didn't read. We love you all and stay strong out there. And in a couple of weeks, we're planning on posting an episode around in-custody deaths and the medical examiner's role in in in-custody deaths. And what you're about to hear is our anniversary episode. So it's pretty lighthearted and it's important even in times of strife to have a little bit of laughter in your life. So we hope that you guys appreciate this episode. So please enjoy and we can't wait to talk to you all in a month with a little more in-depth information on this craziness. Thank Thanks, you. guys. The opinions and views expressed in Dead Men Do Tell Tales and all affiliated media are Jordan and Nicole's and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of their training program or others working in the field of medical legal death investigation. Hey everyone, welcome to Dead Men Do Tell Tales, a podcast about forensic pathology-related topics. I'm Nicole Kroon. And I'm Jordan Taylor. And we're both pathology residents who are going into forensic pathology. And this is our anniversary episode, which is craziness. We've been doing this for a year, guys. And for some reason, y'all keep listening, so thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Every time we hit a new benchmark through Buzzsprout, I get so excited. It's so cool. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And to to celebrate, we're having a couple of the nicer whiskeys in our bro basket. Yep. So we're starting off with Glenlivet 12. It's a single malt scotch whiskey. Double oak something something. Bottle super pretty. And then when we get done with that, the one included in here was a Macallan. So we're getting a, the Macallan 12, 12 year, which is a double cask Single malt whiskey as well. Yeah. Scotch whiskey, actually. This is a scotch whiskey. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This is also a scotch whiskey. Yeah. We're in Scotland. We're in Scotland. Oh, my God. Someday. Honey, citrus, and ginger are the flavors in the Macallan. So we'll Ooh. have to keep a, keep a tongue out for that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. So we also felt like in our anniversary episode, we didn't want to talk about a specific cause of death necessarily. And we thought that it would be fun and something that we can do on a recurring basis to Loosely base it on things that one might get a Darwin Award for. Or just weird deaths in general. Yeah. So Darwin Awards, for those of you who don't know, are awards that people are given posthumously for uh, taking themselves out of the gene pool for their inherent stupidity, essentially. (laughs) So they did something to bring about their own demise. And I think generally it's without ever hurting anybody else. And it's called the Darwin Awards because with evolution and you're taking yourself out of the gene pool by doing something that you did. Yeah. Um, so I think most of mine would qualify, not all, but a lot of mine would definitely qualify as for Darwin Awards, even though they might not have received Darwin Awards. Yeah, I think maybe two of mine, eh, maybe two and a half. Depends. We'll see. Three of mine, definitely. We'll see what you think. <laughs> so Nicole's going to start. Oh, yeah, and we have five each. Yes. So. Sit down, relax, pick up a glass of whiskey, and join us. Yes. 
Not if you're driving. Don't drink and drive. Yeah, don't. Definitely don't do that. Don't end up on a table somewhere. Well, you know, not a work table. Yeah, if you want to sure. dance on a table, That's sure, true. go for it. Have fun. You do you. Yeah. So all of mine um, are like, I, I gave fun little titles that are okay. fairly similar. Nice. So my first one is The Viking Who Killed Himself With His Slain Enemy. Ooh. And I'm doing mine well in uh, chronological order. Oh, I did mine in interesting order. Okay. Cool. So this story is about Sigurd Eistinson, okay. a.k.a. Sigurd the Mighty, the Mighty, who was the second Earl of Orkney. That's an amazing title. Yep, that's what I want. I want to be the third Earl of Orkney. That's There's probably already been many Earls of Orkney. Anyway, so he was a Viking warrior instrumental in the Viking conquest of northern Scotland, where our whiskeys are from. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, in the late ninth uh, century. Okay. He was super popular in Norway, but understandably, he was less well-liked in Scotland because, okay. you know, he was helping to oppress the, the Scottish people. Yeah, don't do that. So <laughs> a feud developed between Sigurd the Mighty and this guy named Mylebricht. Great. The, yep. The bucktoothed. The, um, <laughs> That's a, the worst. That's the worst thing to be called. The something. The bucktoothed. Yep. Yep. Ugh. So Mylebricht the bucktoothed, a Scottish nobleman. Okay. Uh, and the two agreed to fight a 40-man-aside battle to settle their differences. Okay. So Sigurd's army won, but in a fit of hubris, he ordered the heads of all of their fallen enemies to be fastened to their horses as a glory for himself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on the journey home, uh, quote, Sigurd wished to spur the horse with his foot, and he struck his calf against the tooth which stuck out oh. of Melbricta's head and cool. grazed it. And in that wound sprung up pain and swelling, and that led him to his death. Human mouths are disgusting. Yes. So in this article, they said, Malbricht wasn't called the Bucktoothed for nothing. <laughs> I wonder if he had the title before or after because of this. Oh, I was assuming before. Like I was assuming before, some... too, but I also, this was a long ago. Yeah, it would be a good story for them to be like, and he killed him with his tooth post hot post posthumously 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 um so the lesson for this one pride cometh before the fall <laughs> i like it i like it also <laughs> made me think like what is my title nicole the blank oh i don't want a title yet okay i want something more exciting to happen in my life for me before you get a title yeah. I'll, nothing I'll exciting enough randomly throw titles at you from now and again great we'll be yeah. like like george just get a million names yeah jordan of the sensitive blue eyes <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you love me. You've been doing this with me for a year, so it means yeah, something. <laughs> I stick around for some reason. <laughs> so my first one, I'm kind of jumping all over time periods and whatnot. Um, I have a few that are more recent because I think they were actually just kind of interesting. Yeah. I end on an oldie. Okay, cool. So we all know that teenage boys don't necessarily smell the best. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of them are more aware of this and they try to, you know, make themselves not smell so bad. Mm -hmm. We also all walked by the high school boys changing room that just smelled like Axe body spray emanating Ugh. with like the power of a hundred aerosol cans. Puberty is a dark time in everyone's life. Just watch Big Mouth. <laughs> Definitely watch Big Mouth. So the 16 year old boy, Jonathan Capewell was very aware of this, and he became obsessed with smelling good. 
And also a fantastic name. Jonathan Capewell. Yes. yes. Capewell. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would apparently at least twice a day cover his entire body in deodorant spray. Oh. In his room, there were cans of Lynx, which I had never heard of, Gillette, and Right Guard. So just all over the place. Okay. And apparently it was so much and like his parents were like, it's... probably enough that they could not only smell it, but they could taste it downstairs. Oh, no. So, I mean, we all know that feeling of walking by the boys' locker room when, like, it's just everywhere. But imagine the whole house, essentially. Yikes. So, Jonathan was unfortunately found dead. And he was found to have a heart attack. Oh. Which, a 16-year-old boy having a heart attack is not common, obviously. And usually we associate with, like, a... Like a um, ion channel thing, so like a intrinsic heart, maybe a genetic issue. Yeah, he was found to have more than ten times the lethal dosage of propane and butane in his <gasps> blood. Oh my gosh! So not only did he spray himself to make himself smell better, but either he inhaled or absorbed the propellant at a high enough level that he died and essentially had a heart attack from too much of this propellant. Whoa. Because it's meant to, like, spray a little bit and get, like, coat you with less bad smell, yeah. right? But he just multiple times a day would spray himself and cover his entire body with it. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah. So next time you walk by the boys' bathroom, maybe, boys' locker room, maybe uh, cover your nose and make sure you're not uh, inhaling too much of that. I thought you were going to tell a story about how he accidentally blew himself up or something. Like, he walked too close to a fire and he had so much on him. Well, I already was... told you there wasn't going to be any fire this episode. I know, that's true. But yeah, no, can you imagine, like, essentially trying to do a better thing and, like, not smell so bad. Yeah. But taking it to such an extreme that, like, you just either inhale or absorb all of the propellant. That's crazy. So much. Oh, I wonder how much money he spent on spray deodorant. Right? <laughs> all of the allowance. <laughs> This is definitely one of those, like, so there's definitely too much of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would also argue that maybe that deodorant spray doesn't smell super good either way. It smells, I feel like, <laughs> fine in small quantities. Right. But, like, when you have too much of it, it's so, just, it's it's obviously too much. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good stuff. Mine is also to do with chemicals, Ooh. my next one. So this is nice. the chemist who slowly killed himself with poison. Nice. Well done. Yeah, thanks. So this is Carl... Wilhelm Scheel. Nice. Wilhelm Scheel. Yes. Okay. So Carl Scheel was born in 1742, and he was one of 11 children. Too many children. I know. I agree. That's why I had to throw that in there. (laughs) So at age 14, he became an apprentice apothecary. Okay. Which sounds like a super cool job. Uh, And the supply of chemicals present in the pharmacy afforded Scheel with a starting point for many investigations and discoveries. Okay. So he's credited with a bunch of stuff. So like the discovery of oxygen. Wait, just, like, oxygen? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well done. Because I guess we didn't really know, you know, what the compounds were that were in the air, but he discovered oxygen. Oh, yeah. Cool. He also discovered chlorine, which he called deflogisticated marine acid. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Smile and nod. He also discovered hydrogen fluoride, silicon fluoride, hydrogen sulfide, and hydrogen cyanide. Whoops, I see where this is going. Yep. Um, He also isolated and characterized for the first time a bunch of different compounds, and he was also the first person to report the action of light on silver salts, which became the basis of modern photography. Oh, cool. So thank you, Shiel. So he went on to become the first pharmacy student uh, to be elected to membership into the Royal Academy of Sciences, which was a huge honor at the time. Um, However, during his career, Shiel prepared compounds of cyanide, as I mentioned, and even described its taste. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, don't, don't, don't yeah. put it in your mouth. Yeah. He also studied a variety of uh, arsenic compounds. Oh. And this was all without proper ventilation and with, like, his little samplings. Yep. So, in other words, Sheil was frequently exposed to deadly poisons, both incidentally through poor workplace safety, but also through self-experimentation. Yep. And these exposures seriously damaged his health and significantly shortened his life. Okay. Um, he was aware of the cause of his poor health, but he referred to it as the trouble of all apothecaries. Because... I guess at that time, you know, they weren't like... Like the Mad Hatters thing. Like yes. either kind of... You knew yeah. it was go- what you were getting into kind yeah. of, and you just, just didn't happened. see a way to prevent yeah. it, even though there was. <clears throat> so he ended up dying at the age of 43. That's too soon. And two days before he died, he married this widow, um, Widow Poles, so that she could inherit the pharmacy and his belongings. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, so the lesson here was uh, OSHA exists for a reason, and not all things are edible. And some things are only edible ones. Yeah. Well, no, all things are edible. Some Some things are are only edible edible ones. In his case, he ate things that are not supposed to be edible for a long time. (laughs) And it ended up killing him. (laughs) But he did discover a lot of good things. (laughs) Yeah. This next one definitely falls into the uh, Darwin Awards category. I kind of took that to heart in a lot of these. Mm -hmm. So take a quick aside back to like the 60s and 70s when we invented the lava lamp. So the lava oh. lamp is this, you know, there's like the the different colors floating in a liquid of a different color. So like you have a red blob floating in a yellow liquid background. That was a much better and... description than I would have given. All I was thinking was, it's the lamp with the bloop, 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 <laughs> It is, does have the bloop, bloop, bloop. Yes, yes. But so there's a heating source on the bottom that heats up the material and the lava lamp and then the one of the colored materials will rise up and as it gets too high, it cools down and it falls in that, in the background solution. So Phil Quinn, who's a 24 year old man, apparently wanted to have a nice little light show. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he necessarily partook in the same things that people in the sixties and seventies partook in, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is why the lava lamp got so popular then. (laughs) But apparently he maybe didn't think that the bloop bloops were going fast enough. (laughs) And he decided he was going to heat it up more. Okay. So he put his lava lamp on a heater source, uh-huh. like the stove oh, no. top. And they found him in his trailer home with shards of glass <gasps> everywhere, including one shard of glass that had pierced his heart. What? So what they surmise is that he had put the lava lamp on the stove yeah. and then it exploded and he was standing right in front of it. Oh no. And then it came in and it's <gasps> pierced his heart. Oh my gosh. So there's there's a reason that these things are made to just be plugged into a wall outlet and that's it. So apparently this person, I don't know if they didn't have electricity because they had the stove, I don't know, like decided to put it on the stove. It's just a horrible idea. Oh no. And it literally exploded and stabbed him in the heart. Wow. So, you know, too much energy, just boom. Excellent aim for that piece of glass. Seriously. Like right through the rib. (laughs) Yeah. Like very well done. But yeah, again, too much of a good thing. Just just take what you can and just go with it. Just take extra drugs to make it look like it's moving faster. Well, does it, do they ever make it look like it's moving faster? I feel like they always make it slower. But yeah, and then you would enjoy enjoy it more. more. That's true. So you don't need the stove top. Just take more drugs. That's the answer. (laughs) Now Isn't I'm this what we're supposed to not talk about? Didn't you yell at me last time? <laughs> we're switching roles now. Check. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Except for the ones your doctor prescribes. <laughs> Unless they're opiates, maybe lay off those too. Yep. yep. Just so much. many caveats. Anyway, 
So my next one is the lawyer who killed himself trying to prove a point. Mm, yep. That's good. Uh, so Representative Clement Valendigum. Good. Yep. Valendigum. You set yourself up poorly here with these names. I know. Uh, of Ohio. So he was the son of a Presbyterian minister and eventually became a prominent lawyer with a thriving practice in Dayton, Ohio. He was a believer in states' rights, low tariffs, and slavery. Boo. Boo. So he was uh, eventually charged with treason for engaging in anti-Civil War protests and banished to the Confederacy. We're good. Get him him out of here. So he's a fun guy. Um, (laughs) After less than a year in banishment, he escaped to Canada and secretly returned to Ohio. (sighs) Luckily, he failed to win the election in the House in 1868 after his return. Good job, people. But he returned to his law practice. No. On June 17th, 1871, he was attempting to prove a client innocent of murder, arguing that the victim had shot himself. And he decided to demonstrate this possibility before the court (laughs) with a gun he thought was unloaded. Strong work, bro. So Clement Vellingham accidentally shot himself. I guess he kind of got what was coming to him. Right. So he ended up proving his case in court and his client got acquitted, but he died of his wound 12 hours after he shot himself. Well done. Yep. So the lesson here is the gun is always loaded. That is a good lesson to take away from that. So my next one, <laughs> I put it because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> so how much do you know about cockfighting? Uh, not much. So I always pictured it as like you just have the two birds in there and you put them in and then they fight the other one and try to peck it to death. That is right? also what I imagined. So apparently they sometimes strap knives or razors to the bird's legs or feet. And then have them go after each other. Oh, that's so they not just peck them to death, but they'll also like claw and stuff. And so these birds can go at it that way. So after taking a second to wrap your head around the fact that they're literally strapping knives to birds' feet, yeah. Jose Luis Acoya, thirty-five, was taking part in a cockfighting ring in Tulare County, Central California. Apparently, one of his birds, I don't know if he was trying to catch it, I couldn't find details on this, managed to stab him <laughs> with the blade that they strapped to the, the cock's foot. Not only did he manage to stab him in the right calf, within two hours, he was dead. Within two hours of being stabbed by a bird, oh my gosh. he exsanguinated and died. Wow. And they surmise that there might have been a delay in getting him to the hospital. Oh. But it's just so crazy that not only are you not watching and, like, being aware of the blades, which I feel like that's one of the first things you learn in, like, in the surgical area is wherever the blade is, like, you never pass the blade to somebody else. You put it down and have them pick it up. Yeah. And, like, there's all these things around, like, sharp objects so you don't prick yourself, let alone... Stab yourself bad enough to exsanguinate. Uh, oh my gosh. I just, I want to know, I, I want to hear somebody who's like a comedian write an obituary for this guy. Like, oh man. Stabbed by a cock. <laughs> stabbed. <laughs> the fatal cock stabbing. <laughs> the most fatal cock stabbing. <laughs> so, lesson, don't strap knives to birds. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
like commonsensical. Oh man, but apparently not. <laughs> Darwin Award much? But yeah, nope. Oh. Nope. Also, don't make birds fight each other. For also, also bad. Yeah. Like, just step one. Oh. <sighs> uh, so my next one also involves stabbing. Oh, good. Well, kind of. Um, so this is the epidemiologist who killed himself for science. And this is about Jesse William Lazier. So Lazier had been studying malaria and yellow fever since 1895 during his days at Johns Hopkins. At that time, both diseases were endemic in Baltimore, which that's fun times. Well, yeah, it's because before they had like good sewage and stuff, there's a lot of standing water. Malaria was actually all over the U.S. before we got better like sewage and drainage systems. God bless sewage and drainage systems. A lot of reasons. Yeah. I'll write that in my gratitude journal for today. Sewage and drainage systems. Check. So in 1900, uh, Lazier moved to Cuba to become the assistant surgeon at the Army's Columbia Barracks there. Okay. And he joined a handful of colleagues on the Yellow Fever Board, which was an Army Army commissioned board whose purpose was to determine how yellow fever was transmitted. Okay. Because back in those days, they had no idea. And yellow fever, for those who don't know, was named such because approximately one out of every five patients suffers liver damage severe enough to cause jaundice, Yep, which is that yellowing of the skin and eyes. Very good name for that. Yes. So in the 19th century, most medical researchers blamed bacteria carried on contaminated clothing and linens. Oh. But by 1900, the yellow fever board had ruled out that idea along with airborne transmission. Okay. And so about nine years before the Yellow Fever Board was formed in 1881, this Cuban epidemiologist named Carlos Finlay had suggested that mosquitoes were the culprit for spread. Okay. And in 1882, he narrowed it down to the Aedes genus. Okay. Um, So he became one of the first researchers to recommend controlling mosquito populations as a way of stemming the spread of yellow fever. Cool. Now, Lazier was pretty sure that Finlay was right, but... Nobody else would believe him. So to prove it, he decided to take the direct approach. He let an infected mosquito bite him to see what happened. And the quote from this article was, This is what modern science generally describes as improper experimental design. Or in lay terms, nope. It's funny because you hear about this and then you have like the H. pylori thing where it like luckily they had antibiotics to fix it. Yeah. But like nobody believed that stomach ulcers could be caused caused by by H. pylori. So I'm going to drink this slurry of bacteria and oh look I got a stomach ulcer. And they proved it that way. Yeah. But you had a treatment for it. Like why would you do that if you didn't have a treatment? Yeah. Yep. So Lazier died of yellow fever on September 25th, 1900. And his death did enable Walter Reed, the head of the Yellow Fever Board, to convince the army to approve a fund for a more formal round of experiments to confirm the mosquito hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And so today, this Walter Reed guy gets most of the credit for solving the yellow fever mystery okay. and enabling preventative measures. But back in 1900, both he and Lazier gave credit to Finlay for originating the idea. So, okay. you know, kudos to them for yeah. not just, like, stealing it. Um, it never happened today. Yeah, yeah no. So the lesson here was improper experimental design equals nope. Yep. Nope, don't do it. <laughs> At first when you said mosquitoes, my thought was I saw this one that was, there was this Egyptologist who helped uncover the tomb of King Tut, George Herbert. He died mysteriously on April 5th, 1923 after being bit by a mosquito. But everybody thought his death was caused by the mummy's curse. Oh. Because it was like right after they discovered the cave, of, the, um, the tomb of King Tut. Yeah. 
which was perpetuated by a public warning a few weeks earlier by a novelist who said there would be consequences for every anyone who entered the tomb. Wow. But he just died of probably yellow fever or malaria yeah, yeah. or other generic mosquito thing. But it's funny that like now I think of like weird ways to die with a mosquito and I was like, oh, it's <laughs> not it's not the the curse of King Tut. Association is not causation. Exactly. <laughs> mosquitoes though they are the number one animal killer in the they world they are and they serve no ecological purpose down with mosquitoes down with the penny <laughs> sorry segue <laughs> that's great um all right so this is going to be my most modern one for sure mm-hmm. now we've all probably put ourselves in a precarious position to get a good picture for the gram doing it for the gram instagram is a very important part of the culture today yeah And this Instagrammer in Russia had her 29th birthday. So Ekaterina Dedenko's 29th birthday. Ooh, very nicely done. Thank you. They decided that, um, you know how like when you're in a jacuzzi and it's really cold out, you get that layer of mist over the jacuzzi? Yeah. And it looks really cool. Ooh, yeah. So they wanted that visual effect. But it was wrong time of year or something. And they decided it would be a good idea to drop 55 pounds of dry ice into a pool to create this cool visual effect okay now can we breathe carbon dioxide i mean we can it's can we breathe only carbon dioxide no no so (laughs) i mean we can (laughs) is it a good idea (laughs) it's breathable but only breathable once yeah (laughs) (laughs) so dry ice is just frozen carbon dioxide And when it warms up, it then creates a layer of gas, which is heavier than air. So it'll separate out and it kind of, it's white. So it looks different than the surrounding air. And so now they had this pool that had this like layer of dry ice on top, which looks really cool. But then when you go swimming and you come up for a breath, you're not going to get any oxygen. You're just going to get CO2. So a bunch of people went swimming and... Valentin Dedenko, who's 32, the Instagrammer's husband, as well as partygoers Natalia Monakova, 25, and Yuri Elferov, 25, died. Oh. Six other people went to the ICU. Oh my gosh. So, you know, would you do it for the gram? Go to the ICU or die? <laughs> no, thanks. My so Instagram it's... is mostly food pictures, so. <laughs> food or outside or cats. Yep. But, yeah, so next time you uh, go to take a picture or film a video just for the gram, think about potential consequences because, you know, you might send nine people to the hospital. Yeah. I always think about that when I see people with those cliff photos. Yes. like, one sneeze and you would be gone. Balancing, like, the phone and, like, I mean, I've stepped near an edge of a cliff, but I would do the same thing to, like, look over and then step back immediately. Right. It's just... Doing it for the gram. Yep. So my last one is my most modern one. Um, and it is the CEO who killed himself with his own investment. Okay. So James Jimmy Hesselden was a British businessman who bought the Segway company in 2009. Oh, yes. And <laughs> Hesselden began working in a coal mine at age 15. Okay. And became one of Britain's richest men after he was laid off from his job. Started from the bottom over here? Yes, exactly. Um, this is actually kind of a sad story. When I was I'm reading sure. more about him, I was like, oh, he seemed like a nice guy. Aww. There are no happy stories here, folks. You're welcome. <laughs> 
So using his severance pay, uh, Hesselden started a company called Hesco Bastions and won defense contracts building blast walls to help protect troops in Iraq and Afghanistan oh, cool. from suicide bombers. And Hesselden never forgot his roots. He started from the bottom. <laughs> so he donated more than $15 million to help other laid-off miners and their families near his hometown of Leeds. Oh, cool. He also gave generously to organizations that helped wounded British soldiers. Oh. So, segue. Back to 2010. <laughs> Segway? Yeah. But I love um, you, but I hate you. Uh, he could only ride the device on his property because the Brits don't allow them on the roads for safety reasons. Okay. By 2010, Segway had had a couple of like infamous incidences. Yep. So in the U.S., all of the Segway vehicles had to be recalled in 2006 because mm. of a software problem that would cause its wheels to suddenly reverse direction. <laughs> that um, was so bad. And uh, the devices were famous for throwing President George W. Bush and TV host Piers Morgan when they tried to take them out for a spin. Oh, that's sad So there, funny. Yeah, there had been all these incidences. So 2010, Hesselden is riding the device on his property. He's using this off-road version to inspect the grounds of his estate in northern England. I mean, I guess if you're going to invest in it, you have to be confident in it. True. Uh, unfortunately, he tumbled 30 feet off the edge of a cliff into Speaking a river. of standing on cliffs. Yes. So while police said Hesselden's death was not believed to be suspicious, his death came just as doctors were about to publish an article in the Annals of Internal Medicine warning that Segway-related accidents were on the rise. Oh, no. So let's And this is why vital statistics are important. Exactly. So we can say Segway-related motor vehicle accidents. Exactly. We have to have those ICD codes down yep. to... Uh... Died second incident with llama. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the lesson with this one is if it is broke, do fix it. <laughs> <laughs> or just don't use it until it's fixed. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he seemed like a nice guy. I was like, oh. oh that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen a Segway in a long time. I guess it makes sense. I see them in the park. Well, not anymore, but, yeah. you know, back when, yeah, before COVID. Yeah. Those segway Now there's just, like, uh, motorized scooters everywhere. Yeah. I have also been on a Segway tour. Oh. In Granada. My friend and I did fun? it, like, as a joke. It, it ended up being pretty fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that they sell them yes. all the time everywhere. Yes. All right. So I'm ending with a story that's an oldie but a goodie. And as a mini ode to our favorite liquor, whiskey. So we can all be forgetful at times. And being forgetful can be pretty frustrating. That's my middle name. And you know how like you know that thing and you just can't quite get it. And sometimes you just lash out a little bit. Yeah. So let's say that you have a safe. Okay. And you keep trying to open it and keep forgetting the combination. And you decide to just kick the safe. Cool. But now it's 1911. Yeah. And you're Jack Daniel. Like the Jack Daniel? Like the Jack Daniel. Okay. Tennessee whiskey Jack Daniel. Nice. So apparently he was so frustrated that he couldn't remember this combo and he just kicked this safe, which led to a small toe infection. Not back in 1911. Not That's back in 1911. Bears. So this is after Louis Pasteur, who passed away in the late 1800s. So they knew about antibiotics, but they probably weren't good enough at it. And this... Small toe infection from being mad and kicking is safe. Eventually led to a systemic infection. So sepsis. So yeah. blood infection. And he ended up dying from sepsis due to kicking his safe that he couldn't remember the combination for. Oh my gosh. So one of the most well-known whiskey distillers of all time. Yeah. 
whose company is still very much so around and uh, kicking today, uh-huh, uh-huh. is uh, <laughs> died from from a toe infection. Oh. So you know, if you get mad, remember clean your room, go see a doctor, and take your antibiotics. Why didn't he just pour whiskey in it? I mean, that could have been the way you cleaned your room. You need to do it fast enough, though. That's true. And maybe he couldn't get to his safe to unlock it to get out the good whiskey. You know, the really high proof stuff they have to pour over. Maybe from his years of being a distiller, he had diabetes and he didn't notice that he had an infection. It sounds like he knew about this. Oh, okay. Never mind. Well, maybe not the infection, but like the pain. Yeah. But yeah. No, for sure. Apparently he was a relatively unhealthy man in his later years. Oh. Um, not I would I want to say that I'm surprised, but I'm not. Yeah. No. Cheers. Cheers. So now that we've talked about doing it for the gram and you know taking those risks, we're gonna discuss our social, social media. Yeah, social media. <laughs> so <laughs> if you liked this quick fun anniversary episode and any of our other episodes, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It's how we get boosted up on the various podcasting platforms, and other people learn that we exist and listen to us. And make it so that we can last for another anniversary. Also, please tell your friends, family about us. Because if you think there's somebody that might like it, like this podcast, please share. Yep. Uh, you can visit our website at deadmendotellpodcast.com, where we link to all of our sources in our episode guide. On Twitter, we're at deadmendo. On Insta, the gram, we're at the <laughs> Dead Tell Tales. Our Facebook page is Dead Men Do Tell Tales Podcast. And as always, you can send us an email with questions, comments, whatever you feel like chatting. Um, to our website or directly, sorry, through our website or directly to the dead tales at gmail.com. And our opening theme music is Introducing the Pre-Roll by Lee Rosevear, who you can find on SoundCloud. So thank you guys for listening for a year. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, we would continue to do it without listeners because we learn a lot and we yeah. have fun hanging out, but it's even better that we are helping to inspire people who are trying to go into the field and getting to know people. For sure. Yeah, so. And uh, here's to another year of uh, of different whiskey. If you have whis- whiskey recommendations, please send them to us. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks.